My eyes are literally closed because I just said a prayer. <laughs> Welcome to Become She. Where well, we are guaranteed to piss you off with yourself, make you think, and help you grow, which is definitely this episode. <laughs> this is the movement capturing the transcendental journey of the strong woman to the free woman granting herself permission to actualize her highest self and it comes with a price girl and boys all around the world so nicole you darling 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 mm. honey mm. pumpkin nicole. sugar pump <laughs> what are we talking about today honey you know what we're talking about it's on the website <laughs> Uh, 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 I know. She. Uh, so, mm, for the month of March, we're having um, a duo with our Epi's episodes. So this is she has issues part one, focusing on why mommy did it, why mommy didn't do it, mommy issues. She issues part two, which will be airing March twenty second. Is focused on why daddy did why daddy did it. <sighs> daddy issues, which is something that we, as black people, know that daddy has some shortcomings. We talk about that often, but we don't talk about mommy because mm-hmm. it's mommy's baby. What daddy's? Mm-hmm. Maybe. But today we're gonna actually talk about mommy issues. So let's just get right into it because it's it's really yeah. packed. And it's, so it's we gotta move. Not just mommy, this. mommy, auntie, grandma, mommy figure mm-hmm. who was that matriarchal figure. Yeah. Yeah, figures. Yeah. Go ahead, boo. So we're gonna start off talking with the about the mother wound. So to set some con- some context for um, our discussion today, um, I'm going to be talking about Bethany Webster. And shout out to Bethany Webster. She has a website called Womb of Light, and it's womboflight.com. And um, my friend mm. April actually introduced me to her work because she knew that I was doing work with women. Mm. Um, and, and you introduced me to this as well. Yeah, she was aware of the work that I was doing with women, um, with Flaunt Your Fly, and so she put me on this website, and I have been in love. I have her bookmarked, and I read all of her blog posts and articles. So um, when I came across the mother wound, it was like something that really resonated because mm. I saw so much of my matriarchal experiences echo through this. So I'm going to go ahead and read some things that she puts forth Mm-hmm. Um, about why it's crucial for women to heal the mother wound. Um, Bethany says that what many people do not realize is that the core issue at the center of women's empowerment is the mother wound. Um, she also states that difficulty and challenges between mothers and daughters are rampant and widespread, but not openly spoken about. 
The taboo about speaking about the pain of the mother wound is what keeps it in place and keeps it hidden in shadow, festering and out of view. Mm. Um, she then later defines the mother wound as... Perfect, because I think we should define what the yeah. mother wound is. She says, the mother wound is the pain of being a woman passed down through generations of women in patriarchal cultures. And it includes the dysfunctional coping mechanisms that are used to process that pain. She mm. says that the mother wound includes the pain of comparison, not feeling good enough, shame, consistent background sense that there is something wrong with you, attenuation, which is feeling you must remain small in order to be loved. Mm, um, shrinking, minimizing. Yes, yes. Yeah. Persistent sense of guilt for wanting more than you currently have. Ooh. The mother wound can manifest as not being your full self because you don't want to threaten others, mm. having a high tolerance for poor treatment from others, emotional caretaking we'll get to that later feeling competitive with other women self-sabotage being overly rigid and dominating Mm -hmm. conditions such as eating disorders depression and addictions Mm -hmm. um and then she later goes goes on to say that in our patriarchal male-dominated culture women are conditioned to think of themselves as less than and not deserving or worthy Mm -hmm. and that this feeling of less than has been internalized and passed down through countless generations of women I think a lot of times we, as women, we talk a lot about daddy issues and how like, oh, I'm fucked up because daddy wasn't there or daddy didn't do this or Mm -hmm. whatever. But a lot of times this shit's coming from a lack of emotional connection, bond, physical, whatever Mm -hmm. with your mother or your mother figure, I should say. It's true. She goes on to say that the cultural atmosphere of female oppression puts daughters in a double bind. Simply put, if a daughter internalizes her mother's unconscious beliefs, which is some subtle form of I'm not good enough, Mm. then she has her mother's approval, but has in some way betrayed herself and her potential. So she can't actualize her highest self, which is what the goal of become she is. Right. Um, so, however, if she doesn't internalize her mother's unconscious beliefs and her own limitations, but rather affirms her own power and potential, she is aware that her mother may unconsciously see this as, as a, a personal, personal rejection. rejection. Damn. I know that I've seen some situations oh. where mothers, like mothers, compete with their daughters. Oh, yeah. And it's like. Oh, Yeah. Why would you not want me to be better than you? You know what I've always wondered, and this is kind That's of going the goal. Off the a little bit like when um, daughters get around that teenage age, like why mm. mothers and daughters bicker and fight so much. Mm-hmm. And granted, there's some relationships where that doesn't happen, but a lot. I know I was like mm-hmm. that with my mother. Like we did not get along. Once I started getting around that 13, 14, 15, because in where the young goddess was coming out. Exactly. Where the young woman in me starting to come out and I'm starting to define and shape my womanness. If it competed with hers in any way, Mm -hmm. it, it It was a problem. Yeah. Yeah. I know personally, I was just always like, if, because I was so inquisitive and always had these questions and curious, um, I just learned to go underground with my thoughts. I mean, I, I realized that my performance had to fit around what my mother, what it made, what, what looked good for her. If it made her look good, then, you know, it was okay if she could have a personal benefit from it. But mm-hmm. if it was something that was, like, contradictory, like, you know, Bethany said mm-hmm. to her, you know, way of thinking, then it was like, yeah, it what, had to go what, underground. What so are doing? That's wrong. That's not wrong. And it, it can never be right. Yeah. So a lot of my personal, like, thoughts or, you know, 
feelings were underground. So I'm going to keep going. Yeah. Um, it says that the daughter doesn't want to risk losing her mother's love and approval. So internalizing these limiting unconscious beliefs is a form of loyalty mm-hmm. and emotional survival for the daughter. It may feel dangerous for a woman to actualize her full potential because it may mean risking some form of rejection by her mother. And if y'all could see the picture that's underneath what Nicole is reading from, it's it's you could tell it's an older woman with a dress on. It looks like I can't really make out the material, but it's very like 1950s, chiffon, 60s. yeah, yeah, yeah. taffeta, something. And then there's a little yeah. girl that that it looks like she's reaching out for her mother. Yeah. It says, this is because the daughter may unconsciously sense that her full empowerment may trigger the mother's sadness or rage at having had to give up parts of herself in her own life. Drops phone. <laughs> and pout slip. Nicolia pout. I'm going to read that again because that just hit me some kind of way. This is because the daughter may unconsciously, unconsciously sense that her full empowerment may trigger the mother's sadness or rage at having had to give up parts of herself in her own life. Mm, Sacrifice. Her her compassion for her mother, a desire to please her, and a fear of conflict may cause her to convince herself that it's safer to shrink and remain small. A common objection Mm. facing the mother wound is to let the past be in the past. However, we never truly escape or bury the past. It lives in the present as the obstacles and challenges that we face every day. If we avoid dealing with the pain associated with one of the most primary and foundational relationships in our lives, Mm -hmm. we are missing a pivotal opportunity to discover the truth of who we are and to authentically and joyfully live that truth. And then she goes into some stereotypes that perpetuate the mother, the mother wound. Look at everything your mother did for you from other people. Mm. My mother sacrificed so much for me. I would be so selfish to do what she could not do. I don't want her to make her feel bad. I have said that so many times. I owe loyalty to my mother no matter what. If I upset her, she will think I don't value her. That's that guilt. The daughter may experience fears about fulfilling her potential because she may fear leaving her mother behind. I know I've been there. I just made up a term, the daughter guilt. Yeah. (laughs) Feeling guilty. Yeah, for sure. As as what you produce that I can't give you what you gave me when I didn't even ask for it. But there's always this, you have to... You have to do as you say, do as your mother say. And I forgot what the Bible verse is. Um, Honor thy mother and father Mm -hmm. so that your day shall be long. But I think sometimes people confuse honoring with giving everything away. Yeah. Or just being manipulated. Because some of these parents can quote these scriptures, but the Bible also says parents don't provoke your children to wrath either. But I don't hear a lot of... Mm. Black parents quoting that scripture as well. But um, let's continue. Um, The daughter may experience fears about fulfilling her potential because she may fear leaving her mother behind. She may fear her mother feeling threatened by her dreams or ambitions. She may fear uncomfortable feelings from her mother such as envy or anger. And I think envy and anger is it's more common than we think between mother and daughters. The relationship between the mother and the father of the child, mm. too. It depends on, like, if you had your child, your daughter super young, if yeah. you were in a happy space. Yeah. All that trickles down, like, It does. Hard. It replicates in the DNA, honey. Yeah. Like, in the cells of your child. Yeah. In their genes. 
Um, she, Bethany says, all of this is usually very unconscious and not openly acknowledged or talk about, but it's something that's sensed. Yeah. Um, I'm going to skip. It says that, um, she says, Bethany says that the truth is that no child can save her mother. <sighs> no sacrifice a daughter makes will ever be enough to compensate for the high price her mother may have had to pay or for the losses she has accrued over the years simply by being a woman and mother in this culture. And yet this is what many women do for their mothers very early on in childhood. They mm. unconsciously make a decision to not abandon or betray their mothers by becoming too successful, too smart, or too adventurous. This decision is made out of love, loyalty, and a true need for approval and emotional support from the mother. Many of us confuse being loyal to our mothers with being loyal to their wounds and thus complicit in our own oppression. And I don't yeah. think we need to read any more. Yeah, I don't, yeah. That is a mouthful that we can unpack for many, many podcast episodes hereafter. But this is yeah. the context that we're setting up for this show. Thank you, um, Bethany. Bethany Webster, Womb of Light, for giving us that context to discuss and explore um, she has issues, mommy did it, and explored the mother wound. So this week we came upon um, a gem. It's a blog called The Bougie Black Girl. Shout out to Ramel Bryant. Thank you so much for sending me this link. Like, yeah. out the blue, she just dropped it in my direct messenger. So um, there's a blog. I don't... I don't have the title of the blog in front of me right now, but I actually printed out, and I'm so glad I printed out. Um, she has a little blurb. I'm going to read the blurb, and then after she has 36 gems that she drops on us as brown women, and I'm going to share each 36, and maybe we could take a quick 15 second to chat about each one if we feel the need. So it says, here's the truth. Oh, yeah. Your mama, grandmama, and elder black women are liars. 36, 36 things every black woman needs to hear. That's the title of the blog. So it starts. Here's the truth. Older black women failed us. Our mothers, aunties, grandmas, and elders failed us. They told us to keep our legs closed, pray all day, fix broken people, mm. find us any old man, pump and dump his babies, struggle, be the backbone, feel the pain, and wait to die so that you can go to heaven. They're liars and are wrong. You see their advice sent us into the world unprepared and primed to be used and abused. Then these mothers and their sons blamed us for messing up. Why did they send us into the world unprepared? These women went through abuse, disrespect, and being treated like trash. Suffering and making bad choices is supposedly our rite of passage. Perhaps they are jealous because you have the choice to live better than they have. Wow. Who knows? All I know is not here, sis, and not I. <laughs> so I have put a list together of advice I would give to any black woman. I'm just going to change it and say any brown woman. Here are my observations based on what I have lived and seen. My views are not PC and I don't care. Love it. I will not do what our elders did. I will tell you the truth because I love you and I want black women because she wants brown women and girls to have the best life possible. We sisters must stick together and protect each other. That means hearing the beautiful and ugly. These are the black, these are things black women need to hear to survive and thrive. Put on your seatbelt because this will be a bumpy and ugly ride. Y'all ready? Ooh, let's get I'm a, to it. I'm a flash the paper. Y'all can y'all hear it? Can y'all hear that? Yeah. So one through thirty-six. Here we go. 
Number one, accept nothing less than the best in love, your career, and in your life. That's the key to happiness. Hmm. That sounds like not settling. <laughs> yeah, we did what, talk what about that. Epi two? Epi two? Episode two. Catch it. <laughs> um, two, your past does not have to be your future. Number three, the responsibility for your life. Take the responsibility for your life. You control your reactions, emotions, choices, body, and life. Number four, travel the world. I personally love that one. Mm -hmm. She shall travel. She's booked. She's out. (laughs) Number five, try everything, even the stuff that scares you. Our fears are irrational. Hmm. I found that I'm starting to do this now more at work, just trying new things. Um... Number six, date. I mean actually dating, not this Netflix and chill trash. Netflix and chill is an option men give women so that he can get cheap booty. Give that to him and he'll always treat you like cheap booty. Men value women who demand more and that is facts. That is such facts. Factual. Like something I'm learning more and more and more. Number seven, The dating stage is where he is supposed to prove his worthiness of you. If you tell a man you don't like expensive meals, dates, etc. because you are afraid he will think you are a gold digger or you're different from other women who have probably said the same thing, he'll always give you cheap. Again, men value women who demand more. If he gives you cheap on his best, imagine what he'll do on his worst. (sighs) Eight... Date all kinds of men. Pick a mate based on their actions, not their potential. Hello. What? Girl. Mm, nine. <laughs> Stay away from broke and broken men that wow. need to be fixed. People aren't projects to be put together. That is why that is what therapy is for, and you aren't a therapist. Hello. Number ten. Men show us who they are. That's everybody, but yeah. Some of us (laughs) refuse to listen. After the relationship is over, we wonder why things went wrong. You just refuse to listen. That's that accountability bit. Yeah. Number 11, if a man can't afford a date, he certainly can't afford a marriage. Well, damn. Damn. Repeat. If a man can't (laughs) afford a date, he certainly cannot afford a marriage. Number 12, never chase a man. It reeks of desperation. When you're when you are desperate, you can be manipulated. Facts. You have the power. Use it. Let men prove they are worthy of you. Thirteen. If a man loves you, he will come to you with his shit together. If not, he's holding you back because he's afraid you'll find someone better. Number fourteen. If you if a man asks you, what do you bring to the table? He doesn't value womanhood, and he isn't ready for you. You are the table, folk. Forks, plates, napkins, spoons, and the butter. A woman's present instantly improves a man's quality of life. A married man lives longer. He is healthier and happier. He has a support system. It is a woman who have the most to lose in a marriage. Hmm. 15. If he disrespects you the first time and you let him get away with it, he'll do it again. Men love to see how far you let them go. If you set boundaries from the start and stick to them, they will not cross them. I had to set a boundary this week. Um, what? 16, 16, get on now. birth control. Having Woo! children you can't afford is, is an easy way to get in poverty. Can I repeat that? Yes, no. you can, because I don't think we have... Uh, yeah, we're going to have to come back to that. 16, get on birth... We probably should do an episode on this. Get on birth control. Having children you can't afford is an easy way to get in poverty. 
17. Mm. Wait until marriage to have children and make sure he is a provider. Children need more than love. Truth. I don't give a damn what people think. Sure, some children came out fine, but why take the chance when you don't have to? Raising children is hard and expensive as heck. Children need stable financial and parental support. Facts. 18. Never forget your girlfriends when you're in a relationship. If he's gone, you'll always have your girl's shoulder to cry on. Facts. 19. Have a life. Be interesting. Like I said earlier, travel. Learn another language. Find out who you are. Finding out who you are separates you from the masses who copy someone else. We copy others because most of us are boring. 20. Love yourself more than you love any man. Wow. 21. Fall in love with a man who loves you more than you will love him. Mm. I hear that a lot from like the old heads, but okay. 22. <laughs> if you can't do any of the last 17 things, go to therapy before getting into a relationship. Wow. Fix you first. Yeah. Girl, she's talking about something bad. Mm. 23. <laughs> use protection. If your partner does, doesn't want to use protect, protection, leave him. FYI, you can always use female condoms. 24. Don't be nice. Be polite. Don't take shit from anyone. 25. Don't hesitate to cut toxic people out of your life. Uh, if they cared about you, they wouldn't be toxic. These people are time wasters and energy stealers. Their purpose serves to distract you from achieving your goals. Get some ovaries and get what rid the of hell? them. Damn. Uh, come on, bougie black girl. <laughs> 26. <laughs> Don't live in the hood. Move out. Your mental and physical health depends on it. Living in violent neighborhoods means stress and bad choices. By the way, you can't do anything if you're dead. Mm. 27, (laughs) avoid helping jobs. They don't pay well. They don't try to save the world. Get a lucrative career and help by donating to charity. 28, what people think about you is none of your business. I said that to someone yesterday. 29, surround yourself with successful people. You are who you spend most of your time with. Facts. 30. Take a financial management class and do the opposite thing poor people do when it comes to money. Damn. Mm. 31. She's keeping it real. Yeah. Like, all the way, straight to the point. 31. Buy things in cash. You will save money. 32. If you need credit, pay your bills on time. <laughs> <laughs> 33. <laughs> save as much money as possible and never spend it or lend money to men who are not your spouse if they have their shit together they shouldn't be asking you for money what am on, uh, 34 if an opportunity comes take it don't hesitate don't wait stop worrying about family or friends this is your life just do it you may never get that opportunity again 35 prayer is great prayer without action is nothing but talk take action and 36 and final 36 it is a privilege for others to be in your space. Wow. Remember, you deserve the best. Anything less is selling yourself short. And then she ends with, we black women can't afford to be passive. We must put ourselves first. If not, people will eat you up and spit you out and then blame you for them hurting you. Wow. We must be on a ruthless pursuit of our self-actualization and happiness. Can you read that again, though? This is like the summary. Come on, bougie black girl. We black women cannot afford to be passive. We must put ourselves first. If not, people eat you up and spit you out and then blame you for them hurting you. Wow. We must be on a ruthless pursuit of our self-actualization and happiness. Waves the, waves, waves paper in, in the air. And, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I feel like a lot of these things uh, we think we might 
our mother figures would teach us these things, but I felt like a lot of these things I, I learned, I'm learning now. Oh yeah, me too, definitely. And I'm in a whole marriage with a whole child. Um, you are a mother. Girl. <laughs> yes. And you have a daughter. Yes, a stepdaughter. She's a teenager. That's so that, it's real. That's that then, time. That's that. That's when the goddess is, she's emerging. She's an emerging goddess right now. She's in that space. So the name of that um, blog post we just read by Bougie Black Girl is actually on bougieblackgirl.com. And I'm going to spell that so you ladies can go on and read it and save it. Um, it's, I actually printed it and I'm going to frame it and put it in my apartment. Because it's dope. Yeah, it's, it's dope. Um, it's B-O-U-G-I-E-B-L-A-C-K-G-I-E-B-L-A-C-K-G-I-E-B-L-A-C-K-G-I-E-B-L-A-C-K-G-I-E-B-L-A-C-K-G-I-E-B-L-A-C-
Mm. I was like, huh? And my mind, I was like, huh? But I kept a straight face. Um, And then my grandma was like, well, who has your heart? And that's when I knew that I needed to come up out of this, you know, hurt feelings, ego, whatever. Because Mm -hmm. Dominic had my heart, even though I was mad as hell that it took him as long as it took him to finally commit, mm-hmm. this man still had my heart. And I was just moving on out of ego and out of, I'm going to show him, I'm going to prove him. I ain't about to sweat your ass. Yeah. Um, you know, so, yeah. but just to hear my mother mm-hmm. say something antiquated, like, this is not the Middle Ages. This is not, yeah. I have two cows for her. I have, you yeah. know, five bushels of whatever in exchange mm-hmm. for her. Like, who does more for you? That just kind of like they, they, what? Mothers, oh, I. So the a couple. I'm talking to this. I'm but she to, learned that from somewhere though. Yeah, you know what I yeah, mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot of times when you, I find that when you ask mothers about men, they base it off of their experience, mm-hmm. of course, because like, what else would they have to go off of? Um, a couple of days ago, I I was talking to my mom about this guy that I've been talking to for a while that I really 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 enjoy spending my time with and she said she asked me questions about his outside does his family go to church um Mm. like things that had nothing it's all to do with him and they were all valid questions but never once did she ask me does he make you happy what does he do for you does he make you smile does he does he encourage you yeah nothing like that it was like the outside portions so she it's almost like she wanted this like picture box something to like put him into and so when she said that i was like "Mm, i don't know how i feel about talking to you about men exactly because i don't know it just it wasn't it didn't sit well with me and i'm uh, that comes from her experience she grew up her father was a was a pastor she she fit in a certain image and I, i asked you earlier what did you learn about men from your mom and not a damn thing i think i learned oh god Sorry, Ma. I think I learned <laughs> how to be quiet hmm. and not demand more. And I say that because, and I'm very careful about what I say about her experience, but mm-hmm. I, from my experience, I watched and I saw my mother for years um, with a relationship with my father and then a relationship with my stepfather. And in the relationship with my stepfather, I saw my mom be quiet. I, I always, always, always will remember the story. I was in college and my mom and my stepfather came to pick me up. Let me back, let me backdrop. My mom had two keys for her car and I had the extra key and she lost her key. So she had to drive all the way up to where I was in college to get the other key. But she couldn't get in her car, obviously. So she had, cause she, cause she couldn't have her key. And then like his friend, my stepfather's friend drove them. And then I got in the car and then we pulled up to a gas station and my stepfather looked at my mother and pretty much asked her for her wallet to pay her his friend to put gas in the car. And I looked at mom and I was like, mommy, like he couldn't handle that? Like, right. like y'all couldn't figure that out when y'all got back to the house? Like, did he have to like act his ass in front of his friends and I looked at her and I was like you're such a strong woman and she was like I know and in that moment I knew that she was being quiet like she didn't demand anything and I myself have done that in relationships where I'm just quiet and I just let shit go and I just don't demand what I want I don't ask for what I want I kind of just like settle a little bit 
And you said that. You said you said that was one of the things that you would not settle for when we shared but what we weren't going to settle yeah. for. And now it makes sense that you said you were going to speak up every single time you felt yep. like you weren't getting the shit that you needed to feel supported, yeah. to be successful, that you would say something. Yeah. He's yeah, like, yeah. even if I say too much, and, and that's exactly that makes sense. where that comes from. Watching yeah. my mom for years, um, just settle, I guess. I know for me, I think it wasn't so much about men, but what I learned from my mother and the mother wound, I guess, um, would be performance. Performance was something big for us. Mm. Um, not letting people see you break. Not letting people see you, you know, sweater or, you mm-hmm. know, whatever. Um, and I think a lot of that came from, you know, her history growing up, you know, being immersed in church, like over the top. Um, and I mean, for church in the, in the South, I believe that church was a social outlet too. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And that mm-hmm. is the case today, um, but that's a whole other mm-hmm. topic for a later discussion. But church was a, a as much of a social outlet as it was a place to, to gather or whatever. So she was immersed heavily in church, heavily at home, being abused at home, um, sexually abused from the ages of 3 to 12 by a stepfather who was also a deacon at the church. So you have to put on this front when you go to church, like nothing's wrong. I mean, it's really a Tyler Perry movie times three. Um, But then you see your mother getting hit by your stepfather. So who are you really going to tell to help you or to do anything? And then you go to church and you also get molested by the pastor who's at your church. So it's like a network of predators, literally predators. And I think that's where she first learned to begin to begin performing. Mm -hmm. And I think that performance culture in our family, especially with the women in our family, has always been like, you need to perform well. Like, you need to come out the house, fix Mm -hmm. your face. Mm. Um, It was, I mean, it was a time I was even in college going through a lot of turmoil because my mom left to go to rehab my sophomore year as I was beginning my sophomore year in college. So I felt emotionally orphaned. Like, I didn't have anyone because I wasn't raised with my father. It was just my mom. Mm-hmm. And so when I would come home um, sometimes to visit my grandma, my grandma would always say, and this is, she still, she still says this to, to this day, you look good, but it never went, how are you? Mm-hmm. What's going on with you? It was never a... Let's move beyond the surface. Let yeah. me move beyond the mask. Yeah. What's going on with you? Tell me what's going on with you. Talk to and me. Exactly. It was always a, yeah. you look good. And it's like, mm-hmm. I, and I think that's why it's so important for me, um, even with the whole mission of Become She, moving beyond this strong woman narrative to like, being free because so many women know how to perform well. We know how to put on our best face, literally contouring, mm-hmm. concealer, highlight those eyebrows. We know how to do it well, but underneath all yep. that, there's so much brokenness that we've inherited and that we are now living out in our relationships with other women and mm-hmm. our relationships with our children and our relationships, relationships with the men that ourselves. we're... Exactly, our ourselves. Exactly, ourselves. Like, we're just living out all yeah. this brokenness because we can perform well. And so I think that's why I'm so adamant about not performing anymore. Hmm. Like, I don't have to be on all the time, you know? I don't yeah. have to be on at all. Um, and being vulnerable 
and knowing that it's okay to be vulnerable without seeing that as a you know that's not you know a bad thing yeah so speaking of that was heavy speaking of being vulnerable um i'm not sure if you're if you still want to share I mean, I can. I don't know how many minutes we have. <laughs> um, but yeah, I can definitely share my open letter. Yeah, I can share so my open letter. So instead of a dear, she, uh, Nicole wrote an open letter to her mother, and I'll let you. Yes. So I wrote an open letter to my mother um, in light of mommy issues, and here goes. It says, Dear Ma, I write this letter to help you understand how you've contributed to the woman that I am now. I write this letter to let you know that I have grappled with the reality that you and my foremothers had to endure before birthing me into the world. I write this letter because I've had to confront and acknowledge so many things that were passed on to you from the women since before your time. I didn't think I was going to start tearing up, but this is... I know. The belief that you couldn't own your own pleasure, own the right to be present in your own body, the right to just be. The belief that you were powerless, the belief that your voice didn't matter, the belief that your life didn't matter outside the confines of patriarchal sexual benefit. Growing up, you told me that you believed that you were not smart, and based off the way people find over you as a little girl in your quaint town of Idabel, Oklahoma, in the early 60s, you felt all you had to offer was light skin and light-colored eyes. Being molested from the ages of 3 to 12 by men you called stepfather and pastor only reinforced this. Men that should have championed you. Men that should have protected you, but they couldn't be trusted. You would later grow up to be coupled with men you were not attracted to, but you learned to use your body as leverage to gain some benefit. I can only imagine what it felt like watching your mother being physically abused by the same man who molested you and to then go to church, your second home, and be molested by your pastor, a man serving as a spiritual father to which your stepfather served as a deacon. It left you with little hope, a muffled voice, no way out. Your concept of power was shaped by a religious front, physical sexual aggression, With no one to protect you, you learn to pretend in order to cope. Acting well, behaving well, while experiencing trauma and dysfunction became a source of pride for you and the women in our family. We always admire the beautiful masks without actually touching our wounded places. I have had to confront and break performing well. I used to pride myself in pretending well, behaving well, performing well, not cracking or breaking character, not letting anyone see me sweat. Trusting others with my vulnerability has been no easy task, but necessary for where I want to go. The women that I've been called to need it. By pretending well, you and my other foremothers were deprived of true relationship. Relationship you probably didn't think existed because of the chronic abuse you witnessed. I can understand how dangerous being vulnerable could have been during your time. Masking became a survival adaptation gone wrong because you never knew when to come out of hiding. You deserved to be seen. 
beyond your mask of light skin and hazel eyes. I have recently allowed myself to be seen without needing to pretend or perform for the acceptability of others. It may appear crass or confrontational, but the alternative is not an option for me anymore. Even now, talking to you can be difficult. A connectivity piece is missing and you seem so far removed. More concerned with saying the right thing instead of showing up as just you. It feels like we exist on different galaxies. Sometimes our conversations feel like an agenda to get through, and it is noteworthy if our conversations go past 10 minutes. It doesn't feel free-flowing. We have pockets of it, and then it's back in the box, which is why I struggle to establish a consistent call pattern with you. In past conversations, I've questioned you because I wanted to know about the little girl that went into hiding so many years ago to numb the pain of her trauma that she forgot to return to her body, who then grew up and raised two other girls, all while trying to keep the pieces together. But I know my questions make you uncomfortable. You see my questions as judging you when I just want to feel connected to you through something real. Your discomfort makes me uncomfortable and we, go, and we both go back into hiding. The trauma left you afraid to, tr to be truly seen as you are, not as you think others want to see you. And this trauma has been replicated and encoded. I want to tell that little girl, you, that it's okay. I want to tell her that she would give birth to another little girl, a girl that will listen to her stories if she comes out to tell them and empathize, cry for her and kiss her and heal with her, a girl that will live intentionally and champion the many mothers before her, champion the things they could not give voice to while confronting and transmuting their trauma because I am not afraid of her own voice. Because I am not afraid of my own voice. I am not afraid of my own body. I am worthy of pleasure and of love and of connectivity and of relationship with no shame and unafraid to be seen. And that's it. I'm so proud of you. I'm so proud of you. Um, I think that we're gonna, we should end there. And I think... I wrote a, a letter to my mother as well, but I'm not going to read it. I'm going to save the next episode to talk about daddy issues, my, my letter to my father. Um, but I encourage all of you to write a letter to your mother, your mother figure. Um, if it helps, um, just write it out. You don't have to read it to her. Just write it to yourself. And I think that... I think that we should end there. What do you think? Yeah. So, um, this is uh, Nicolia and Jess signing out. Become, Become she, she, become, become free. free.